record the sermon, so I need a lot of amens and stuff, so for the people that aren't here, carrying them. There you go, there we are, Leon. Get the drum roll ready, Dave. I woke up this morning. <laughs> oh, the lesson comes out of yeah. John, it comes out of John chapter twenty through to twenty nine. The beginning of the sermon I changed because of going to support Leon and his wife and his family to his grandmother's funeral. Uh, David, Gail, and I. Uh, Leon has been. You don't really realize how much Leon and his family do behind the scenes with praying and visiting and you know offering to help. He's really a behind-the-scenes guy that he really does a lot more than most of us see. Uh, I know during Joe, when I lost uh, Drew, he contacted them often, again with Lena, the same thing. Uh, so he's praying for us. Both of them are. They're praying for us and stuff there. So we thought it was right to go. He's a church member. He's done a lot here. Uh, to go and support him and his family when his grandmother that raised him passed away. Ruby, right? Man, I got the name right. There we go. And so the three of us show up. I have learned several things from going to this funeral. Number one, GPS was made by a man. <laughs> because Gail and I both had GPS running, finding this church, and it kept sending us right, and we needed to go left. Even GPS had us lost and wouldn't ask for directions. <laughs> GPS was made by a man. And so we show up to this church, Harvest Ministries, I think right there. This church in Osceola, nice, a nice church. Uh, we show up, it's packed. I thought maybe they couldn't afford the lights or air conditioning when we walked in the door, but to find out all of Osceola was without power. It was hot in that church. But the church is packed full of people. We walk in the door, and, uh, and I'm just going to say this up front. It was packed. We, were, we thought at the time we were the only three white people in an African-American church. I am here to tell you the love for us was overflowing. Brought us up, sat us down. Uh, we did not feel, you know, it, it just, you, you need to go. One of the problems in our community today with racism and the segregated hour of the church still is we need to visit other churches. Uh, we, need to, we need to be there occasionally just so we can feel more comfortable. You know what? They're worshiping the same Jesus we are. We had church there like no, I mean, we, we, we were filled up with church for about a week. The Holy Spirit was so full there. But this pastor, Eddie was his first name, I forget, Sydney, I think was his last name, uh, he gets there, and you'd have to be an African-American church, probably more to understand this. I have preached at uh, AME churches before, and it's a little different than what we do. Uh, there's more of a rhythm to it, uh, and rhythm in the music section, they have music all the time, and it plays along. And this particular pastor, Eddie, very sweet guy, uh, was from Haiti, so he was hard to understand. But I got two things from this, and I put it to my, I put it for my sermon today because uh, what the Bible is talking about here, uh, about love, uh, Pastor Eddie said, he has a longer title, front name, than Pastor, so, but I call him Pastor Eddie. He said there are two points that he brings up during this funeral service. He says, if I call myself a Christian... I have to love all of humanity. 
Don't we dare call ourselves Christians. I'm waiting for the drum music in the background, David. Uh, (laughs) The music on the side. Don't we dare call ourselves Christian if we don't have the love of Jesus for all of humanity. Number two, this is the two main points of the whole service. Why do we so easily let the devil steal our identity? The two main points, I don't hardly heard anything else the man said, but I, got, I gathered these two points out of this worship service. Uh, uh, and so we go along. Again, wonderful worship service. I was glad to be there. I was glad that we could support you in that. Uh, they invited us back, and I would love, and maybe one day I might take a, I take a vacation, go somewhere. I'll let Leon know. We'll go back up there and worship at that church. Great church. Uh, so we come on to our verses, to chapter 14, verse 22. Judas, not the bad Judas, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will be manifest yourselves to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make... Back up. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He knows he who does not love me does not keep my word, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise Judas is asking this question. This is not the, Judas, uh, the bad Judas. This is another Judas that was a disciple. He's asking this question. Let me re-paraphrase that in like New Living Translation or the message will pray. How will the world know that you live through us? By keeping the commandments of God. And what is the greatest commandment of God? Love. I will love God, will love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. When you guys study this in Greek, to realize there's a mistranslation here, and love my neighbor as myself. He says the second and greatest commandment that's numbered for us, it's really one commandment. If we love God, we have to love our neighbor. We cannot say, I am a Christian, and not love all of humanity. Now, where we get in trouble with this a little bit is... Somehow today, if you say you love me, that means you accept me and my lifestyle and everything about me. No, that, that, let's get that out of there. I am to love all of humanity, but you may be doing something that I, that I think is wrong with the Bible. Hate the sin, but love the person. And that's how it's supposed to be. But we're, in this, we're living in this generation now. If you say you love me, you have to love what I'm doing too. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. I have to love you. Some people are lovable but not likable. Do we understand on that one? Some people are lovable not likable. And, and so but we have to realize is number one, we are called to love. What separates the church from the outside world? 
That's really what we got to look at. What separates us from the world? When the world sits there and says, well, I don't want to go to church because there are a bunch of hypocrites in the church, what are they normally talking about? They're talking about the people they see and the conceptions they have of church and this loving Jesus and the people they see that are just like the world when they're living on the outside of the church. That's what they're talking about, hypocrites. They don't see the love of God in us when we go out. And so with this, how quickly does the devil steal our identity? Do you live with the identity of the devil, or do you live with the identity of Jesus Christ? There is no middle ground, people. Let me tell you what, there is no middle ground. There there goes along there. Some people think, well, I don't believe in either one. When I die, I die. I'm just going to be buried, and that's just it. Life's over. That's what I believe, and that's so that much for what happens. Well, if you are wrong, do you want to know the truth? There's only one who ever spoke the truth. There's only one truth in this world, and this is the Word of God. Uh, Everything else, I have never asked you in six years to follow me. I have asked you to follow Jesus Christ. Because guess what? I know if Tammy was here, we'd get a big amen. Occasionally, I am wrong. I know. Don't, don't, don't panic people. It's very far and few between, but occasionally, I am wrong. Vic's like, like Vic. Vic's never wrong, is he? Never, never. But so when we go along there, and, and so we got to realize that every day, and the Bible says, and I got in this conversation one day, I was up with a bunch of Christian motorcycle bikers, so I was with the CMA and some other stuff, and, and bikers are unique people, just let's say this up front, most motorcyclists are unique people, you got to realize Carrie and I are enthusiasts, not bikers, uh, but so when you get to more hardcore guys, they're going along, and I'm with Christian motorcycle groups, not all CMA, not all UMMA, uh, the faith, and there's several other ones out there, the hell fighters and everything else. And I uh, try to stay out of a conversation, but you know, that's kind of hard for me. I have the right to remain silent, but the inability to do so. Trust me, in my house, I have this gift of saying the right thing at the wrong time or the wrong thing at the right time, however you want to look at it that way. But the guy, and it many things goes around here, the guy sat there and says, a Christian... I will treat others the way they treat me. They treat me good. I don't care if they're black, white, red, yellow, green. I don't care if they're gay, lesbian, transgender. If they treat me well with respect, I will treat them well with respect. If they don't treat me well with respect, I will treat them poorly too. Sounds fair, doesn't it? Not an eye for an eye. What does the Bible say? This is one I quoted there. That guy, Luke 6.31, do not... Do, uh, do to others as you would wish them to do to you. Where does it say in the word of God? Where does it say in the word of God, if you treat me poorly, I am to treat you poorly. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, do not repay evil with evil. Do not repay insult with insult. Uh, I need to write that one on my refrigerator, by the way. <coughs> Just trust me on that one. And so the world, see, where we're living, the church looks too much like the world. The church, we started acting, we started to go from the world. The Bible tells us to renew our mind, how often? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, renew our minds daily. daily. There we go. Uh, uh, Philippians says, work out our salvation with trembling and fear. Uh, 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26 says, Pick up your cross and follow me daily. Give up your life for me. If you say you love me and you call yourself a Christian, you will follow my commandment. My number one commandment you can never fail in is loving others. The bishop, I was with the bishop, Bishop uh, Brian, this week, and they're talking about all the things through the transition seminar. They're talking about all the things to do, you know, to get off, to start right at your new church. And I've been to this before, and, you know, I kind of already know what the, the answers are. He says, if you're lost at what to do, the one thing you can always do that is right is go visit somebody. Just flat out, just go visit them. He says, it's never wrong to visit. And that's true, because that's usually what a lot of pastors get in trouble for, for visiting. Uh, but, but so we go along there. The Bible tells us how we are to treat other people. The Bible clearly tells us how we're to treat other people. 1 Corinthians, Paul pins this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me just read it for you real quick. If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a chain clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and have all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Love is not rude, is not selfish, it is not easily angered. And young ladies, I need you to pay specific attention to this word right here. It keeps no record of wrongs. So next time mom, where's, where you are Weston, next, and, and uh, Dalton, hear what I'm about to tell you. The young people, hear what I'm about to tell you. When mom or dad says, this is the fifth time that I told you to clean your room, or the fifth time I told you, the sixth time, you ever heard that before? Just say, mom, love keeps no records of wrong. <laughs> Husbands, this does not work in marriage. <laughs> Drew, don't do it. <laughs> Yes, honey, I am wrong again. <laughs> love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. See, we sit there and want to know why the people are falling away from the church. Do they see, when we're outside of the church, outside of the lap hall, we're outside of our comfort zone with people. This is the girls were singing that song there. You know, let me love. Just let me love. Even when it hurts, let me love. When we're outside of our comfort zone, do we still show the love of Jesus? When there's people that don't know who we are, do they see Christ or do they see the devil? There's the question. There's the question that you've got to ask yourselves. What are they seeing? In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, this is the, uh, Christ is coming to the seven churches. This is the first church, the church of Ephesus. And he runs through all these things about all the great things they're doing. He says, but I have this one thing against you. 
you have lost your first love. Many people will think that they've lost Christ. That is not true. What he's saying is, if you love humanity, you love the lost, you also love me. The church of Ephesus got so busy about being in the church and doing the right thing in the church that they forgot that there was a lost world out there. And so their, their, their sin really is not that they didn't love God enough, it's that they didn't love the lost enough. They didn't love the, the, the people that were out in the world enough. And, and so they, they need to come back. When Christ is saying, come back, repent. If you have ears, let it hear. Do we love the lost world enough? Are we showing Christ to the lost world? If you, if you love God, if you call yourself a Christian, you have to have love for all of humanity. I do not have to accept their behavior, but I have to love them as a person. When I was doing prison ministry, in Cairo's prison ministry, I always like to tell people that I've been in prison. I get more fun about it when I tell them my wife's in prison. But Tam and I both do Cairo's uh, prison ministry there. And what you had to come to realize is when you're dealing with prisoners, and really it really goes on the outside world, when we're dealing with people we just don't like or they're way different than us, that you know they're living a life that's not according to the Bible, according to their, number one, we cannot hold the unbelievers to the standard of the Word of God. Get rid of that notion. Well, the Bible says they need to be doing, if they're not calling themselves a Christian or not going to church, you cannot hold them to the standard of the Bible. They're lost people. Just understand that up front. They're lost people. But so we're going along is we need to learn to love the person and see the redeeming quality that God sees in them. Because all people, if they have breath, all people have a redeeming quality. It is hard. This is where the rubber meets the road with Christ. It is easy to say, I love Jesus. I, you know, I give Jesus. He's the Lord of my life. I got a good job. My wife's okay. Or husband's okay. It could be the other way. The dog's okay. Got a couple kids. Life's going good. You got a nice house. or you know, And you know, life is comfortable. Man, it's easy to love God. And we stay in our own little circle with my little friends and my little church friends and over here friends and go to the church, put a little money in the offering plate. Life is easy. But where the rubber hits the road, where it beats the road, is when we're living outside of our comfort zone and we're loving people that are nowhere near like us. And we're seeing redeeming qualities. You know, the guys that goes along, uh, never mind, I won't get too much of a description there. But when you see the people that are just, they're just like, man, that person's different. When I was a youth pastor, when I was a youth pastor at, uh, at, at uh, Beamish United Methodist Church, I first started off in ministry with these girls. I had nine girls in, in youth ministry to start off with. Guess what nine fairly attractive young ladies bring the church. Boys. And I was like dad to all of them. Carried a firearm. I mean, I kid you not. And these brought these boys one summer. They went to some place. They come back with six boys. All of them had different color hair, and it was spiked. I learned how to spike hair. It was spiked. They took a vacuum cleaner with moose, and, they, and they, each, each spike was, I mean, it was this tall, a different color. They come in the church the first time. And I, no lie, we, we'd have this prayer time. And we're all, there's 18 of us, or probably a couple more of us at the, at the communion rail. I sat down here at this end of the communion rail to myself, being God, talking, God, don't worry, I will get those people out of your house. Man, was I ever wrong. A couple of those boys today, one of them's a lawyer. <laughs> one of them is doing something. They're great men. Uh, they're great men. You know what? They were just doing something. They were young, stupid, and doing something for attention. 
They were some of the most spiritual young men that I could have had in my youth group. They turned out to be great people. And you know what? Once they got involved with the youth, everything else they kind of normalized out, or to at least are normalized out. Uh, but so we've got to go along. Romans chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love fulfills the law. If we don't have love for humanity, we cannot say we have love for God. And you cannot call yourself a Christian. How does God, how has God dealt with us? Romans chapter 5 verse 8, it tells us God showed his great love for us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. He didn't ask us to get our life right first. He loved us anyway. He seen something redeeming quality on the moment that we were conceived. Not the day we were born, but on the moment we were conceived, he seen redeeming quality in you and me. And he died on the cross for you and me. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 30. It and tells us, why are so many sick and weak? This is talking about communion. Paul's talking about communion. He talks about the church. Why are so many people sick and weak in the church? Why is the church weak? Because we've lost our first love for humanity. We cannot say, I love God if I don't have a love for all of humanity. You can't be prejudiced and say you're a Christian. You cannot be anything else if not every person you meet, you can find the redeeming quality. They may not like them, but you can see the redeeming quality that Christ sees in them. So my question to you today, what, do the world, what does the world see? What identity are you carrying? Are you carrying the identity of Christ, which is love? Are you carrying the identity of the devil, which is hate, destroy, death, and killing, lying, stealing? What side of the fence are you on? Remember, 1 John tells us, if we will earnestly repent of our sin, God will forgive us. Today may need be the day. Let us pray. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves as we come here today, Lord. Lord, what a hard message to preach. Because, Lord, I could just see myself. And all the things I have showed hatred for. And Lord, forgive me. As the pastor of the church, I ask you for the forgiveness of the sins of the congregation. Lord, let us be free from our sins. Let us be free to love others the way in which you have loved us. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.